What's up? You are now listening to Americanized, a storytelling podcast where you'll hear from eclectic first and second generation Americans share their stories and real life experiences as children of immigrants. And we are back after a super, super long hiatus that was filled with special events that I really have to get into in another episode. This is your host, Rosalind, and today you'll hear from Randy Reyes, a second-generation Mexican-American architect based in Chicago, Illinois. He was featured this month on our Instagram page, sharing Mexican slang words and culture. Shout out to Randy for that beautiful collaboration. Thank you so much. It turned out so well, and I'm happy that we went forward with that. In this episode, he shares his early memories and experiences of his second-generation identity, the story of his mother's immigration to the U.S., stories of his time in Mexico, the impact that Trump's administration had on him, and much, much more. Stay tuned. My name is Randy Reyes. Um, I was born in Elgin, Illinois, so that's a suburb close to Chicago. I'm a second generation uh, Mexican-American, so my mom was born in Yacuala, Veracruz, Mexico. And so me and my brother were born here in Elgin. And she pretty much raised us um, as a single mom. I think my, I was around 10 years old when my dad separated from her. Um, so. Yeah, I wanted to take this opportunity and talk to you. I've listened to your podcast and tell my story because I'm only like one in a million just Mexican-American that has a story like mine. And that's not even to say for those other second generation or immigrants of other ethnicities or backgrounds. So it's, I don't know, I almost feel like it's a responsibility of mine living in the States to like a platform like this, just say something or maybe inspire someone to tell their story and take action as well. Um, and again, like my background, I'm, I'm like no big name whatsoever. I'm just a guy that was born in, in Illinois. I am went to school for architecture. I currently work with Legged Architects in Brook, Illinois. So um, we, I would call myself a junior architect. I'm not licensed, but I'm getting there. Just how I even got to where I am right now, just all the sacrifices that my mom made to get here like like the more like I think about and the more conversations I have with her about what she did and how she did it it's almost like I don't know I I want to work hard to pretty much make her proud like there I would probably never feel or even come close to the sacrifice that she made in her life herself so I, I don't know I just have this work hard mentality and hopefully just inspire others. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for like reaching out or feeling inspired to come on the show and share your story. And I really like the word you used, responsibility of, you feel responsible to say something or share your story, as well as feeling responsible to make your mother proud. I think that's something that a lot of us in this bubble of being first or second generation American can share and like feel the same way about for sure yeah it's 
like just growing up i i I don't know i just had the need to like say something but i've always was scared to say something about it Mm because i didn't know how people would react or people would even listen just yeah so like i grew up pretty much as a as an innocent kid McHenry is where i live and grew up it's mostly white i was very very little mexicans um or hispanics black population etc um so i grew up with a lot of white people and i i don't know i just i've I've never felt uncomfortable until a certain age i guess maybe middle school but i've always like treated everyone the same i didn't realize how how different things were until i was older um one thing my my mom is an illegal immigrant so just her just that world is completely different from everyone else's because as soon as I knew that, or, or as soon as I knew what that meant, till this day, I'm, I'm 25 now. So to this day, I I just had the mindset where, is my mom going to be home later that day? Yeah, so as soon as, I'm trying not to get emotional, but as soon as I know what that meant, I knew my life wasn't going to be easy. Mm-hmm. And the more I got older, I realized... I'm going to have to work harder for just being someone who's brown or some a, a son of an illegal immigrant right. compared to others. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of where, again, I was probably like late elementary, early middle school once everything kind of clicked to me. I was just going to ask if that, if that was when you found out that your mother was illegal or what, what age was that when you found out? <sighs> Again, I was probably like eight or nine. I wasn't, I wasn't ten yet for sure. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, like even with just talking about this, I get flashbacks to, to when I found out what what happened and everything. There'd be times where there'd be ice raids in our area, mm-hmm. and me being a U.S. citizen, nothing would happen to me. So I remember I was staying in apartment complex with my babysitter at the time. My mom was somewhere else. So it was me and my brother and my babysitter. My babysitter was also in the legal immigrant. So there, there is a Mexican community in, in McHenry and in the Burbs, and they kind of know, all know each other because they're all from the same state, Veracruz, Mexico. Mm-hmm. So they all kind of know each other. And as, as being a Mexican or someone that's different, it's nice to be around people that know what you're going through. So that community is very tight. But I remember that ice raid, my mom gave my babysitter a call. And she said that to hide me and my brother and herself because ice was in McHenry. So I remember hiding, we closed all the windows, we locked the doors because we didn't know what was gonna happen. Um, I actually only lived like two blocks away. My mom got home safe and I remember taking my little brother, he was around probably three years old at the time. And my babysitter said, do you know how to get home? Like, can you walk there? Nothing should happen to you as long as you just get straight there. And I said, yeah, I can do it. So I felt this fear of, I don't know, just some person was just gonna come and take everyone that looked like me. I mean, I made it home and I was terrified because I, I didn't really know what ice was. I just knew it was some, some person like in my imagination 
that was trying to capture us and take us away. So that's that's always like the first memory of like, I knew my world was different, like yeah. severely different. It was gonna be like this for a while, or probably never ending. That's a lot. That's a lot to take in at a young age and even to like hold that with you as you get older. Growing up, I, I was terrified of people to know she was illegal. Because yeah. I, I don't know what if people would tell authorities or what's I didn't, I didn't know how it worked. I was just terrified. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm older, it's almost it's almost a pride thing mm -hmm. that like I I did go through college. I'm I'm actually the first in our family to go to college in the states and actually graduate. Oh wow! Um, yeah. So I feel like I achieved so much. Yeah. And. For me not to say, hey, my my mom is an illegal immigrant. And even though it was hard as a kid growing up in that lifestyle, I made it. Mm -hmm. And again, if someone can see what I've done and give them some sort of inspiration to, to achieve whatever they want to achieve, regardless of their hardships, that's I guess in the best way I can explain, that's why I'm more comfortable saying that she is. Mm -hmm. That no one's afraid to to achieve a goal of theirs. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like just hearing you say that, I was able to relate a lot. And now I feel comfortable saying that. Like growing up, my mom, <laughs> my mom was also an illegal immigrant too. And I was like, no one can know this. Like, no one, like, I couldn't, I just felt like that's a secret, like a family secret you can't tell anybody because. Who knows what will happen with, with anyone hearing that information. Right, yeah. I mean, it's still terrifying. Yeah. Again, it's like, it's like representing her. And in Mexico, what's, what's cool about the culture is you, the child represents the parents. And that's probably true for many cultures, but mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. in, in Mexico, it's the way I act is how pretty much I'm representing my mom. So me coming and like, I have a job. I'm I'm very happy that I that I do have a job, and then I'm, my achievements are representing her. So I, I don't want to hide what she is anymore, because mm. that's almost I don't know. I used to be again scared, but I don't want to be scared anymore. Yeah, well, I love that a lot. So what's the story behind your mother coming over to the U.S.? Um, it's funny because she's told me probably countless of times and it's funny because I, I know how she did it now, like clearly, but back then when she first told me, I had this huge imagination that she was like walking barefoot through <laughs> across the border, like swam thousands of miles. Yeah. So, but as I got older and like the story started like actually entering my brain and I wasn't in like Lala Land or whatsoever, mm -hmm. she... She didn't want to come to begin with. She mm. she has five brothers and she's the only sister. Oh. Yeah. And Veracruz is so Yequala is the little pueblo, the town in the state of Veracruz. So it's like the mountainy area. It's it's like a little village, I guess. It's mm. super small. So it's it's not it's a poor area. I, I've been there when I was like 10 years old um, for a summer and I remember 
just so you can get an idea of what the area is like. Mm-hmm. Everyone, almost everyone had a TV, but it was like one of those old box TVs. Yeah. And only one person of that whole like strip of street had a cable box. And whatever that one person was watching is what everyone else <laughs> in neighborhood was watching. Yeah. So, so yeah, just so you get an idea of what it's like. I remember even taking showers. I would only get like a bucket full of water to take a yeah. shower. And I, I was so used to you like, you know, you just turn on your shower head. Mm-hmm. And like you could be in the shower as long as you want, but now I just had a bucket of, of cold water, basically. So that's the area. Again, maybe poor is not the right word, but it's not as as comfortable as here. So that's what like the area that my mom grew in. I think it was 1994 um, when she decided. Well, her brothers decided to come here because the brothers, like the the American dream, you know, you, you come here, you you achieve something, mm-hmm. even if that's just to make money for your family that's not doing well in Mexico mm-hmm. and then come back one day for them. Um, so the brothers were all for it. My grandma wanted my mom to go. She did not want to go, but my brothers talked her into it. So what she did was Veracruz is by the Gulf Coast, the Gulf of Mexico. Mm-hmm. And she had to go all the way to Tijuana, which is like south of California. So basically across the whole country itself. So they took like public transportation, I think like buses and trains. As soon as I got to Tijuana, their first attempt, my mom actually got caught. Um, and it's it's a she's a she's a huge jokester. So when mm-hmm. she was telling this, I unfortunately was laughing because she that's just how she talks. She she makes things funny. Um, they crossed the border, and she was basically so tired that she started throwing a fit. And so she sat on the ground. And my my uncle is just yelling at her. It's like, hey, get up. We got to go. Mm-hmm. And immigration got her. And she like kind of wanted that to happen because she didn't want to go for it anymore. Mm-hmm. And they do a second attempt. So I'll go I'll go more in detail on the second attempt. They go to Tijuana. And there's a coyote that basically helps them get to the border. And once they help them cross, they're kind of on their own. So they would however many pistols it was to pay the coyote to get them to close to the border and cross it. So they would have to go at night in this air where it was like a smaller fence. She said that she had to jump, but before she actually jumps that fence, there's the cartel. And this is typically normal to how anyone of Central America or South America immigrates to the U.S. They have to go through the cartel and give them some sort of fee. Otherwise, the cartel won't let them in. And even worse things can happen if you don't agree with what they do. But luckily, my mom didn't have to worry about that. She just had to pay. And they can't, you can't take more than what you're going to pay the cartel. So say like you want to take more than 500 pistols when the cartel is going to charge you like 200, just so you have some some sort of currency when you enter the States. The cartel is going to take everything. So even if you like hide in everything, you like, they're just going to take it from you. So the coyotes basically tell anyone who's immigrating, like, just only take what you're going to pay the cartel and nothing else. So that's what they did. My mom was sneaky. She somehow managed a way to hide some pistols in, like, a back bun of hers. And, yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. She jumps the fence. And she she told me she has to pass, like, a little, like, creek. And I'm guessing that's, like, real grande, maybe. But she she had to pass some sort of river. Um, but it wasn't like super deep. It was literally just walking through. And again, this is nighttime. They start seeing like border control 
and they see the lights and everything. So everyone in that group, because it was like a 10 person group, she said, and they see these lights and then everyone's kind of like all for themselves. She told me that she found like a little like ditch area and she got on all fours and then put her hands over her head and just like in that crouch position until she heard no more sound anymore. And once that sound was gone, she she started like whispering, saying like, Hola, I didn't stay here. Or anyone, is anyone there? And she couldn't find her brother or anyone else that was with her at the time. Until I think she she said there's some sort of like whistle jingle she did. So that whistle, it was like, I guess some famous Mexican song. Someone repeated that same whistle tone to her. So she got closer to that person and she found a woman who was traveling with her and said, oh, yeah, you're you're part of that group. Again, they don't know each other, but you're part of that group that we just jumped the fence with. And they, they worked together to find some sort of gas station. They like walked, I think, like half a mile, found a gas station and they regrouped with my uncle. Um, they took they started taking brooms, they said, and started sweeping in front of the gas station because they saw border control come again. What one of the advice that Cody's told them is if you see them come again and you're like by some sort of public place, grab a broom and start sweeping because they're gonna think you're like an employee there or something. Um, so <laughs> that works for them. And I guess the coyote, there's like a second coyote waiting for them in some sort of area. And as soon as they find them, again, it's like by that gas station area they that coyote pretty much takes them i think they took them to san diego california they stay in a hotel for two days and they take a plane to chicago and she that's pretty much how she got here she she lived with um two friends of our like family friends they housed her for about two months until she made enough money to get an apartment for herself and then she met my dad um, had two kids and yeah that's oh, the gist of the story so that's like a lot of that's a lot of weight to carry if that makes sense but like just knowing where your mom came from how she came over here and everything she went through before having you pretty much right. even though she never really wanted to come over here <laughs> yeah the only reason she stayed is because she had me and my brother that's the only reason why she stayed she if she didn't have kids she would have most likely been back in mexico mm. True. I, I could say the same about my mom, too. <laughs> Did she ever reconnect with her brothers, your uncles? Yeah, they... So, we actually got a house with my uncle that we traveled... Or that she traveled with. Oh. And he, he lived... He lived here for a good amount of my of my life. He was almost... My, he was my father figure, for the most part, since mm -hmm. my dad left us. Um, I'm going to be reuniting with him. 10 days so yeah. i haven't seen him since i was probably 10. so he lives in mexico yeah they all of my brothers on my mom's side yeah are back in mexico that's pretty funny they're all they all try to come here together now they're back and yeah, she's the, still the here. ironic part is she didn't want to come she's yeah here. she's here like stuck here i guess yeah so what do you remember when you were 10, the first time you went to Mexico? What are your memories from there? Um, so I told you the, the bucket of water and the TV. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, those, I mean, besides those moments, I 
I remember getting on the plane because that was like my first plane ride ever. So that that itself was an experience. Just I remember it was super hot <laughs> as I got to Mexico. It was super hot and I think it was like cicada season or whatever because you know that sound cicadas make is non-stop just that buzzing sound. Yeah. Um, but I, I think we were in the city of Veracruz at the time. Um, and that's a little bit more popular. We we stayed in some hotel. It wasn't like the mountain there, you know. Mm-hmm. It was like nicer area where there was more more comfortable technology. And then we took some taxi. It was like a four hour drive to get to um, Yaguatla, the the town my mom was born and raised in. Mm-hmm. And I, I can just see the the mountains, the vegetation, how different it was from the states. Mm-hmm. It's like in Illinois, it's just flat. But in Mexico, like that area, it's very, it's it's mountain area. It's almost like a, I don't know if it's even a jungle, but it's, it seemed like a jungle to me. Yeah. Um, and I remember getting to the small, small town. Um, again, it was like, it definitely was, I could tell it was somewhere different. Like the buildings were more colorful. They were made of like adobe or even stone or concrete. Mm-hmm. The roads were not in good condition whatsoever. You could feel every single bump and you can see every pothole. If you even got asphalt, you were lucky, but it was mostly like gravel or just mm-hmm. mud itself. And so so we get to to La Victoria, the little strip neighborhood I said where my mom lived. And mm-hmm. that's where we stayed at our, my grandma's house. Um, and I remember my grandma, that's the first time I met her. She just seemed like a super tall woman. Oh, she, she's no taller than my mom though. She's like 5'4". But at the time, I thought she was like this super tall woman, like the tallest person I ever saw. Yeah, as a ten-year-old. And I remember how excited she was to see me and my brother, mm-hmm. um, and how <laughs> I I had a bunch of little cousins and they were excited to see me too. And I definitely it was kind of hard to communicate because I I basically speak like back then broken Spanish for sure. My Spanish is a lot better now, but mm-hmm. I. It was basically broken Spanish. So I can communicate somewhat, but they would say things that I had no idea what they were saying. But I stayed there for a whole summer, so my Spanish probably developed so much through that yeah. time. But yeah, my, my cousins were excited to see me. I, was, I wasn't I was used to that, because I don't have a lot of family here yeah. in the States. And over there, it's literally all my family. Everybody's they, there. They like, knew who I was yeah. somehow, but I didn't <laughs> know any of them. But yeah, that's it's a big thing. My like my mom, I would say as a kid, like I never saw them, and a lot of them are older than me too, about like three or four years older. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I, maybe it was like, a, oh, our little cute cousins here, both of them. So like, let's let's hang out with them. But but yeah, they like knew everything about me. I like knew nothing about them. They showed me around, or I saw what what it's like to be a kid in Mexico. We would basically go into like mountain foresty area and uh, pretty much try to catch fish or we i remember this waterfall um that we would basically go swimming in all the time going to like the candy shop using thistles for the first time but yeah i i the, the i think the funniest memory i have when it comes to like food i i didn't grow up liking mexican food i love it now oh, it was really? just always too spicy or like i didn't like tortillas um, Interesting. So even even in Mexico, I still didn't like it. I didn't start liking it until like probably like late middle school. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but in Mexico, I would only eat what's huevos con chorizo, which is like Mexican sausage with eggs. And you kind of like scramble that up and you you would eat it with tortilla and like I could bear the tortilla with that at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my my grandma had, it's like a little farm um, house. She had like a chicken coop. She had a, a pet pet goose which i thought was funny she had like a leash for it and everything um <laughs> but the chicken coop i would go to it every morning and grab an egg so that my grandma could make me mm-hmm. and i just got like the muscle memory just got so so familiar that i didn't even have to like look inside the chicken coop to grab the egg i like just like barely open it and like i knew where to grab it like my hand just knew where to go yeah there was one morning <laughs> I go and grab that egg. Again, I'm not looking in there. It's like a one second thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel something warm. And I like step back a little bit. Like, what the heck is that? And I open the door full width. And I see there's the chicken laying on its eggs. And it's just like side profile looking at me with one eye. <laughs> and me being freaked out, I just close the door. Like I'm not used to like livestock and anything. So that was like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't want this yeah. chicken to attack me. So I just close the door and I just go back into the kitchen. And my grandma's like, like, Mijo, where's your, where's your egg? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just told her, yeah, grandma, I'm not having breakfast today. <laughs> Dang. But it's definitely a different culture. It's Yeah, it's an experience. For sure. The kids would just, like, we, we had the whole day to ourselves. When it's on, it was the summer, so we we just hung out with each other. We pl- would play soccer in the basketball court of of their school. Mm-hmm. Um, we would just go on these these adventures, and my mom never questioned where I was. Neither oh, really? neither did her parents. They just didn't question where we were. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we had each other's back. Like we know the area's mm-hmm. not the safest. They're there are times where drunk people will be out there and they'll just like come to our little um, village and do whatever shenanigans. So we, we for sure had to be home before dark. But during the day, it was it was almost like we were this group. If something bad were to happen, we were there for each other. That's cool. And it was really cool to experience your culture, your background as a kid. It's kind of like you're growing up there. And you're experiencing yeah. like what your cousins are and like, meeting your cousins and all your family and having them like they're so excited to meet you and you like, have no idea who they are. It's a funny experience like looking back because I have a similar experience meeting my family back home. Um, back in, I think it was like late high school I went there for the first time. But yeah, like what you say about they know everything about you and you have no idea like what their names <laughs> are. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think... Being amongst family, there's not much of a question of safety because they know they know the area, they know the land, they know who's there. But like, I guess in America, the difference is everything is foreign. So it's like, yeah, you can't go out and play outside and you can't be out late and you can't be with these strangers and these strange people that we don't know. Right, even, yeah, e- yeah. Even though they're like your friends or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a different culture. Do you have any like expectations or things you're looking forward to when you do return in you said ten days? Yeah, be there back in ten days. Mm-hmm. Um, like meeting, reuniting with your family, your cousins. Like, what are you? What are your expectations or your hopes? I for sure want to know the the history of my family. 
because mm-hmm. um, again it's i know it a lot better now but mm-hmm. just hearing it is different from experiencing it for sure um my family is huge in mexico so i, I for sure just want to like know who is who and like even get to meet like the people i haven't even met the last time i went um reuniting with with those cousins again for sure mm-hmm. i definitely want to go back to my my grandma's house because that's where i sp- spent like a whole summer she she passed away a few years ago so i, I for sure want to just go back to like memory lane and just walk around that area now now as like an architect like i have that eye for architecture so i want to see what what the environment like is again is, is it going to be like the way i remember it and again mm-hmm. sometimes i'll like go on google maps just so like i can refresh my memory mm-hmm. but again even that's different than actually stepping there and like experiencing it experience like how it felt to like walk on that road what it felt like inside the house because it, it would be cold because it was like adobe or concrete and then once you step outside it was super hot <laughs> yeah. um even seeing those animals like you know here like we get like ant infestations mm-hmm. i mean to your house in mexico it's like lizards so yeah. like even getting to see that and even we 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 did go to mexico city but it was only just to get to the airport to come back to the state. Mm-hmm. Um, but I for sure want to visit Mexico City. It, again, that's probably one of the biggest cities in in North America. Um, so I for sure want to see it, um, experience that that environment because that's the natural like, city environment. I've never experienced that in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So comparing that, um, I think the most important exciting part when it comes to this environment so seeing those mountains again i'm just so not used to right. something not being flat yeah even illinois that's gonna be really interesting just like hearing that like i know i can understand the feeling of going back and all the memories will resurface and then mm-hmm. with the memories all the feelings will come back too and it's gonna be like a really cool experience because that's kind of what i me and my siblings experience when we went back to Ivory Coast this past summer. We're like, oh yeah, I remember that. Or we went back to uh, my uncle's house where we stayed at and all the like memories of like the, the way the house was laid out and everything's like, oh yeah. yeah. All the memories come back. It's just like you're in a familiar place and even though it's not home for you, it's like, it feels that way because you have these memories and you were there for a whole summer. So you were there like two, three yeah, months. I... Yeah. What's funny is I was a, I was a very spoiled kid. Oh yeah. In the way I acted before I went to Mexico, mm-hmm. and that spending that whole summer in Mexico just, I realized how how fortunate I was living in the states. And again, I was I was like ten years old, mm-hmm. and coming back, I just realized how how easy I had it. And since that day, I I I try not to complain when it comes to living here right. it, don't, it don't it it seems unfair like yeah. i have this laptop i have this tv i have a couch um da 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 car like a like a bad car for us here <laughs> it's probably a really good car of where like my family lives absolutely so i i for sure so back to your question of like what am i wanting to experience again when i get back to mexico is i for sure want to hear the stories of like my aunts and uncles or my older cousins like how how did i act as a kid when i came came here was i spoiled like and did you see me change as i i started living there for like a whole mm-hmm. summer 
or even like what was their first impressions of me like yeah. was i was i everything what they were expecting because they just like somehow knew me already um, mm -hmm. and for sure i want to hear their stories like what's it like living in mexico in this area some of them gone to the university some didn't um so hearing those stories like what they they've gone through how do they see the u.s too i, I have a bunch of questions i want to ask them it's awesome those yeah. are good questions yeah i wonder if they just have an idea of americans and kind of like projected that onto you because i feel that's what our families tend to do they, they for sure they yeah. for sure think we're we're rich just yeah. like even me myself they they probably think I'm like living in a mansion or whatever, which exactly. to them, maybe I am mm -hmm. just like from where they're coming from. I don't know. I just, I want to for sure have that conversation and I don't know, even let them know like, like how, what it is for me living here. And like, again, this is like what this whole podcast is about. What, what challenges I face, even, even like I'm a Mexican American. Again, I like have identity crisis. Like am I from here? Am I from there? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to know like their perspectives too of like, Hey, do you see me as like one of you or do you see me as like something else? Right. I wonder what their answer is to that because even here, like I wanted to ask you like being a Mexican American and the way many Americans view Hispanics as like everyone's a Mexican. So like, how did that, you know, they like generalize all Hispanics as Mexican. Cause I don't know. I guess, I guess because of the border, but I, I don't think there's any excuse for it. It's really just ignorance and right. Not. So like, how does that impact you, like your mental health and your whole, the way you interact with people and your identity? Um, I mean, immediately I knew I was different. Just mm -hmm. like my mom, she, she barely spoke English when she got here. Even when I was like little, she mostly just spoke Spanish. I would be the translator. Mm. Even at when that daycare she would drop me off at. I would have to pretty much say like everything that they were trying to tell her in Spanish. Mm. Um so I knew I was <laughs> I was different to begin with. Again, I grew up in like a very heavily white populated town. Um and I didn't really get that like identity crisis until later on. Again, I was just a kid, like, yeah, I knew I spoke Spanish to my mom. So, like, when I'm in this household, to me, I'm, like, in Mexico. And as soon as I step out of that door, I'm in the U.S. That's what mm -hmm. it felt like to me. Mm -hmm. I think when I got older, I realized I had two sides of me. As soon as um, I was old enough to go to elementary school, because I, I did go to, like, a Montessori school before I went elementary school like a public school oh, cool. in that Montessori school I did have like a a closer friend I don't remember what his name was but he was from India and mm -hmm. I I felt more comfortable to hang out with him to be honest because yeah. he he seemed like a person that I don't know I don't want to say that looks like me because he was Indian but he he was different I guess yeah he understood but for him being different I felt some sort of comfort something comfortable with him like i felt like a stronger connection so me and him would actually would, would hang out all the time during recess at that montessori school um and then in elementary school soccer started becoming like more popular to me mm -hmm. um but i i remember that's that's when i started having more like mexican friends because in in McHenry, it's mostly like you're mexican if you're hispanic there was like one or two like 
Hondurans or Guatemalans, which is like mostly Mexican. And so we would play soccer and it started to become really popular somehow. And I think it's just because people saw we were actually using like a soccer field. So it was mostly Mexicans playing and then these these other like the white um, the white kids wanted to play with us and they're like, yeah, let's play. But it got to a point where we got so competitive that it would be whites versus Mexicans. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So and most of the most of my Mexican friends that I grew up with, they actually were born in Mexico and they immigrated here. I was a different scenario. My mom immigrated here and I was born here and they knew that and they almost, they did treat me differently. They, right. they would say I'm not a real Mexican, even though I was like, what are you talking about? Like, mm -hmm. I look like you, I like speak Spanish like you, like I'm a Mexican, like my mom's Mexican. I, I grew up with her and everything. And so when it came to like that Mexican versus white teams, I was like, okay, like these Mexicans saying I'm not Mexican. Yeah. What team are you on? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, do I do I play with this team or do I play with that team? Oh, wow. Um. However, I was good enough where they wanted me to play with them, but I've always <laughs> had in the back of my head like, it's so weird. You want me to play with you, but earlier today you were telling me I'm not Mexican. So right. it was. I think that was like the first. Um, events where I was, I had that identity crisis, mm -hmm. and even even to this day, I'll, I'll get other Hispanics or people from the Latin community saying that, yeah, you're not Mexican, or even even other second generation or other immigrants of different backgrounds saying you're not Mexican because you were born here, mm -hmm. and it frustrates me because yeah, I see myself as a Mexican. Yes, I don't speak the best Spanish. Yes, I wasn't born there. However, I still have that pride of my my ancestors being from there, my mom being from there. Exactly. That's so strange that even like the Mexican students born in Mexico don't even like accept you as a Mexican. Figure. Yeah, and I I I still don't un like I do understand, but I also yeah. don't. Same. It's, I can it's understand. That weird, yeah. It's that weird. I don't know, idea or mindset of what a Mexican is or what an American is or what whatever background this and this you are, what it mm -hmm. is. It's a weird paradox. Which makes me question like what like how do you or how do people identify like how do they identify their ethnicity of I think it's it's it has to be a personal thing. You can't allow anyone else decide that for you. But right. then when you do yeah. like say take a stance on where you are ethnically, then you get pushback from like the people who you identify with and right. like the people you don't identify with it's like. for sure and again like like if I, if I were to have some sort of interaction with someone like actual Mexico I know I will probably be 100% comfortable because it's they grew up in a different environment mm -hmm. um, their slang is different the way they they communicate with each other is different um, even I even have a hard time here just hanging out with Americans because Again, like it's it's different. I, I grew up in like this this beautiful mesh of both. Mm -hmm. However, it's hard to to release that that mixed culture of mine to a certain group because they're not going to understand half of it. Right, right. The more like we're talking about this, I'm thinking like even like say I don't I can, I don't fit in with a group of Africans or a group of Americans. I think just the community of being a 
something American, like the hyphenated mm-hmm. Ivorian American, a Mexican American. I think that's our community where we can all like fit in and understand each other. Not like language or anything. We're all not speaking the same language, but really understand what we're going through, what we experience. Because just talking to you, I'm like, yeah, I can, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. And like check everything off this Americanized list. And it's like, I think this is our, <laughs> this is our community. If they don't accept us, if that group doesn't accept us, then our second generation people will understand and accept us. Right. And that's the beauty. I feel like I get more, I'm definitely a lot more comfortable with second generation people. Me too. Yeah. They, they know what it's like. They, they know the struggles. Um, I, I don't feel, I guess I, I never have a better time talking to someone like like you for instance that that has that background i agree i, I don't feel any more comfortable in my life it's, um, it's anyone really refreshing. else versus someone like like us yeah because it's like it's weird to having these conversations as an adult because obviously we're not going to have them as kids because we're still understanding everything but when you can look back and have all these stories and memories and then share them as an adult and then have someone from a completely different culture identify with what you're saying it's like mm-hmm. it's like where mm-hmm. were you when i was a kid right for sure yeah. yeah and again that's like i for sure want to tell these stories again i just don't feel comfortable telling anyone right no it sounds like you have a lot of stories to share oh for sure like but again this this is almost is a challenge for me in itself because again i i was always scared telling these stories mm-hmm. and this podcast and stuff is like that that first step for me to like do more Mm-hmm. So this is like that little baby step, you know. Mm-hmm. So hopefully this this inspires myself to like do something else after this. Mm-hmm. Again, I like I'm just like some some dude just living in the burbs of Illinois, but I <laughs> want to be more than that one day and hopefully reach a, a broader audience. Yeah, for sure. I hope so. I feel just the feeling of being inspired is a lot to begin with, and just having you on to share your story. Mm-hmm. But I did want to talk about. Of course, the Trump administration and just like the spotlight on, <laughs> okay. you know, we have to talk about it. Sure. All right. Americans. What's your question? As the political climate, I don't know if it really like changed, I guess, since ICE has always been around. Like you share that story being a child and having ICE kind of like raid your neighborhood. I guess as an adult or with more like light shed on it, how has your interactions with people changed? What impact did that have on you? More so, like as an adult during Trump Trump time, Trump era. Okay. Yeah. Oh man, it's a big question. I didn't. Yeah. I don't even like question. This this can just spiral off into like even more conversations. Right. Right. Um. I guess my my first memory. I, I think I was like a sophomore in college hmm. when when Trump was running for presidency. Um. Okay. It, it, it gets a little heavy, but it was pretty much around the time where, like, my I could vote for the first time, if mm-hmm. not at least the second time. I was like, for, it was like one of my first votes ever, and never felt such importance to to vote. It it definitely would have affected my family, and even even the <laughs> just the humorous comments he would make about about Mexicans and just Mexicans itself. Like how how he would say he was sending or how Mexico's sending not their greatest mm-hmm. and how 
he would assume what what we were like rapists, we were bringing drugs, we were thieves. It's it's inaccurate because him saying that is is calling my mom a rapist, a thug, or a thief. And my mom's like one of the hardest working people I've ever met. That and it's it's a fear he pretty much gave the Mexican community, like myself. And I'm not speaking for all Mexicans because I do know, or even Hispanics itself, there are some Mexicans and Hispanics that that like Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's it's kind of how it's how you see the political world, and I guess even just to like sprawl off a little bit, and like we can go to even Latinx or colorism, like this can sprawl to other other things, but people will assume that Mexicans only think one way. So when it comes to like, when you ask a Mexican or, or another another person of the Latin community, what do you think of Latinx? There's not going to be one answer because every, every Latino has their political view. Same with Mexicans. We have our own political view. A majority of the Mexicans in the U.S. though, were fearful of Trump because a lot of them are immigrants, illegal immigrants. So there was that fear that Again, one day, am I not going to see my mom? Um, is she going to be taken away? And unfortunately, a lot of my family has already been deported throughout mm-hmm. my life in the U.S. I actually have one uncle right now in ICE detention center, and that's my fifth family member that's may possibly be deported. So I know what it's like to have someone gone. For someone like my mom to be gone would be so devastating. And I've, I've had these conversations with, with other people, and I sometimes can't believe what they say afterwards. And the common, almost 100% of the time is, oh, at least you'll still be here. And yeah, I, again, I, I don't wanna, I don't wanna say it's, it's bad for them to think that way because maybe they just don't understand, but yeah, maybe I stay here, but the the only way where I can make them like think or how I or how I feel when I say this is just imagine just one day your your parents just weren't there and it's to no fault of your own. Right. And you don't even know where in Mexico they are once they get deported. It's, it's, it's challenging because I've, I've always had that mindset of if my mom gets deported, I'm four year, four and a half years older than my mom. I would have to take care of my brother or figure out a way to get to Mexico or something. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge responsibility for like an 11 year old. And even, even to like today, like, yeah, I'm 25, I have a job, but like my brother's in college, we're both in that. Um, how, if my mom were to leave, how, how negatively would that impact just like my mental health and my my brother still being a dependent under her? Can I can I actually like change my world to help my brother? I help him as much as I can right now, but just losing another person like my mom would just be very it's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. So so going back to that that fear that Trump brought to us when he got elected, I actually started crying. Mm-hmm. I I pretty much saw my future of my mom not being here. 
That's very heavy. And for anyone who told you, at least you're still here, they don't see the point. Like, that's not the point. Yeah. As emotional, I might sound. I'm, I'm very open to, to speak about things like this. Hmm. With the right person, for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's a, again, that spirals to a different conversation. There's sometimes where I just don't know when to open or not open my mouth. Because mm-hmm. there's people who like, adore the man, like pretty much worship him. And mm-hmm. again, it was terrifying when, when Trump said those things about Mexicans. People cheered him. Yeah. So it's like half that country probably looks at me as someone that they don't want. Exactly. And it even comes to like that, that identity crisis mm-hmm. where I would get some Americans saying, it's funny, I root for like the Mexican national team when it comes to like soccer, football. Yeah. Um, and I'll get judged like, you live here, you should be rooting for the United States. Or even when the Olympics come, I typically don't root for Team USA. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I, I just see that different perspective of what it's like not really being from here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I typically root for the non-US team. Um, and Mexico, like, that's my background. I'm obviously going to root for Mexico all the time. Of course, I, yeah. I'll get those people saying, no, you're American. You you need to root for Team USA. And it's hard to root for a country when almost 50% of the population doesn't want to be here. Exactly. I feel like people who have pride in America, it's so an extreme. And it's forced on people. We're in this country not by choice either. Like our parents just had us here. We we could be in our like motherlands or in our home countries, but we didn't choose to be here. So we're not. We don't have to have pride in American culture, Americanism, if that's a word. Like that's not our country. <laughs> right. Right. So I don't know why people get so upset with immigrants, and then it's like, well, if you're not, you know, supporting the country, go back to your country. And it's like, well, I have a home there, but it's not really it's like iffy i'm more comfortable here but i don't want to be it's, it's like, weird, weird. Yeah, yeah that would be comfortable and even home is like yeah those it, feel, it feels like you have two homes yeah it's just yeah. you're not 100 percent comfortable anywhere for sure yeah and it's it's definitely a challenge like i don't know how much time we even have to like keep having a conversation so it, these conversations are never ending and it's like always weird to cut <laughs> cut them short because there's so much to like discuss and right like think it, about. i like had no idea of what i was going to say today so it, like everything's just like popping in my head right now. i was like oh i can talk about this or i can talk about that mm-hmm. well we'll definitely have you back on after you come back from mexico yeah oh yeah i'll definitely let you know what it's like and the last time I was in Mexico was like over 10 years ago. So it's going to be definitely an interesting take of what how my perspective changes. I guess whoever's listening to this, yeah. don't be scared to like speak up. Um, yes, you might be different, however, embrace it. Don't be terrified of it anymore. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned to hear more of Randy's stories in the next episode. All original music produced by Stubborn Saul. Find him on all music listening platforms at S-T-B-R-N-S-A-L. Peace out.